0: Thank you, John. Thank you. If you have a prayer slip uh, or visitor slip, if you'd pass that to the aisle, we'd love to get those from you. And so glad that you're here with us and that you want to trust uh, your prayer concerns with us this week. I want to thank you, church family, for your prayers, for our family as we gathered last uh, Sunday afternoon uh, to celebrate and to remember the life of my mother, Sharon uh, E. Law, and I uh, just felt your presence uh, in the course of that funeral, at her burial, and the gathering afterward with family. We just uh, pray for uh, our family in the coming today, days. Uh, today's my father's birthday, and I'm going to be f- flying to North Carolina later this evening to be with him for a few days this coming week. Um, they were just shy of 58 years of marriage, and I'm just so grateful for my parents and, um, and always give thanks to God upon every remembrance of them. My Bible is open to John three sixteen, And I'm grateful for Jared carrying the banner last week and talking about uh, the power of this verse and the love of God to bring salvation to a rebel race. And this morning I wanna to talk to you about the portal. What's a portal? <laughs> it's a door, it's an entry. Jesus Christ is the way that the love of God is brought into our life by faith in him alone. James Montgomery Boyce introduced uh, his sermon on John 3.16 by listing the favorite passages of noted, some noted figures in church history. Uh, John Wesley, his favorite verse was Zechariah 3.2. Is not this man a burning stick snatched from the fire? <laughs> to each his own, I probably wouldn't have checked, uh, selected uh, Zechariah 3.2. David Livingstone, um, the faithful missionary who gave his life in the, um, on the continent of Africa, who said, uh, my body may be buried in England, but I want my heart buried in Africa, and so it was. His favorite verse was Matthew 28, uh, to, verse 20, Matthew 28, 20, surely I'm with you always, Jesus said, even until the end of the age. John Newton, the foul-mouthed sinner, slave trader, who was converted by the amazing grace of God, his was Romans five twenty. But where sin increased, grace increased all the more. And sin, it is true, uh, while the pit may be deep, his grace is greater still. And then Martin Luther underlined in his Bible was Romans 117, that the righteous shall live by faith. How can I be made right with God? By faith in Jesus Christ alone, his righteousness is credited to me. Boyce wrote, each of these verses has spoken to some man in, this, in his own particular condition and has become for him the greatest text in the Bible. But the verse before us this morning, John 3.16, that's everyone's text. There is hardly a place in the world to which the gospel of Jesus Christ has gone that this verse has not become almost instantly known as a summary of what the Bible communicates It is the first verse that translators put into another language. Millions of people have been taught to recite it. It's inscribed on buildings and books. It is reflected in songs. John 3.16. And this is the love of God, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins, a propitiation for our sins, so that the wrath of God would be lifted because he bore it all on the cross, that I might be set free by his boundless love and dying for me. Millions have come to saving faith in Jesus Christ. Perhaps that, that is your great story, that you came to know the Lord through this simple statement. It's a great summary of the gospel. It's spoken by Jesus Christ himself, and it has been our focus this Advent season. This verse is is not for beginners only. That's one of the temptations when you come to familiar verses in the Bible. Well, that's for beginners. I already know that, we might say when we read it. But what we have done in this Advent season, this Christmas season, is we have brought this one verse, and we're wanting to hold it up over these weeks for you to think with us about the deep things of God. We're holding it up for us to think deeply about what God has done in Jesus Christ, and in turn, that we would come and worship Him and adore Him. And maybe this morning, you find yourself in looking at your heart to be without Jesus Christ. Without hope in this world, God, who is rich in mercy, can come even to you this morning as you hear His voice, that you would respond to the well-meant offer of this gospel today, and that you would believe on Him. We've ordered our thoughts on three P's. We began a few weeks ago, a couple of weeks ago, with the problem. In John 3:16. Which, why don't we go ahead and state it? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life, eternal life. And we started with the problem because in that great statement of God's love, there's a perishing to be avoided. That you should not perish. That means everyone is perishing apart from the love of God given through his son. Well, I don't like to look at things like that. That's mighty negative. That's the truth. That there is a perishing in this world. This world is passing away. If your hope and stay is on the things of this world, you will be greatly disappointed. Jesus told the rich, uh, rich man who wanted to build barns and bigger barns, what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world but loses his soul? And so the problem is that we're in danger of perishing. I pray that you wouldn't perish. We're all going to die in a physical sense. But what Jesus is talking about here is an everlasting punishment. There's a perishing to be avoided. Don't yawn at that. Don't say, well, the preacher's just being fantastic. He's just, he's, it's melodramatic. No, it's not melodramatic. These are words of sober truth. There's a, there's a, a perishing to avoid... There's a power on display that even though our future without God is bleak and hopeless, the power of his love comes to redeem our life from destruction and to crown us with loving kindness and tender mercy, to know God's favor that he is with us always as David Livingstone loved to remember. He is with us always even into the very end and then he will receive us into glory So this morning we're talking about the portal. How do I get this love of God into my life? And if you're used to operating in this world for very long, it's by what you do. You need to score well on the test. You need to work hard for advancement in your career. You need to give uh, extra special effort in order that you might be rewarded for your labor. And we think, oh, that's the way God works in his salvation. And you will find that's absolutely not true. It's not by works of righteousness that you do. It's according to his mercy that he saves. You mean I don't bring anything to the table? Not a thing, except your brokenness and sin. And so one of the reasons that God does it this way is to eliminate all boasting. There's no boasting before God. only praise given for what he's done for us and so may we enter through the door that is Christ while the single verse john 3:16 it only contains 24 verses 24 words each word carries with it a sense of urgency there is a god there's a god if you were to be stopped on the street today and someone were to say to you why do you believe there's a God. I think the greatest answer would be this is because Jesus Christ said there's a God and I have found no one more trustworthy than him. There is a God and this God has a son. Who is God? And who came for in a once for all mission trip to redeem a, a rebel humanity? And you are called to believe in him. By the way, the gospel is a command. You're called to repent and to believe in him. And so what if I don't? Well, the ramifications are more than you can bear. So allow God to speak for himself and for us to say, well, this message is not to be admired or dismissed or ridiculed. This, this message is to be believed by you Today. You're called to believe in him and to trust in what he's done. Again, there's a perishing that is forever and that he extends eternal life to you as a present possession now that he will be with you and in you and guide you to the end. I can't think of a greater message, a greater person to put the weight of your soul into than Jesus Christ. I thought of that last week when I went to the cemetery and we buried my mother. And I used for the funeral sermon, John 11, 25 and 26, where Jesus said, I'm the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me shall live even though he dies. Even though he dies, the believer lives. And so it is for everyone in Christ. So we may say to every person, God loves you. And he loves you in this way that he sent his only son, that if you would turn to him and believe in him, you would be forgiven and reconciled to God, and his love would be upon you, and you would become a child of God by faith in him alone. And that is the message that we are called to bear to this world. So let's let's begin this way. If you're following along in your insert, I, I want to present John 316 this morning, the portal of faith. It's not by works, it's not by what you do, it's by trusting in what Christ has done, what God has done through his son. The first thing I would wanna note for you, and we often point people to the Gospel of John on the front end of their Christian journey. If you're new to the Bible and wanting, wanting to know where do I begin, I would point you to John, and maybe this first point would just illustrate that strongly, that the Gospel of John was written so that you would believe in Jesus Christ. John was written that you may believe. The summary is in chapter 20. Let's turn there if you would. John 20 verses 30 through 31. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples. So John's summarizing this gospel of belief. And he says of the many signs that he presents, the miracles, these were presented, whether it's the water turned into wine in Cana of Galilee, whether it's the woman at the well in John 4 who told her everything she had ever done. Whether it's the man at the pool of Bethesda in John chapter 5 where Jesus said to him, do you want to be made well? Do you want to be healed? Whether it was the man born blind in chapter 9. Whether it was uh, the sign of Jesus calling forth Lazarus, who was in the grave for four days, calling him back to life. Yes, he would die again, but on that day he would live. Many other signs, John says. In fact, if you'll turn the page, uh, in the last verses of the Gospel of John, he says that um, uh, in verse 25, also many other things that Jesus did, were every one of them to be written, I suppose that the world itself could not contain the books that would be written. And there have been plenty of books written on the life, death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. John ends with a little hyperbole there, but he's underscoring. I didn't even scratch the surface. But back to chapter 20, verse 30. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples which are not written in this book, but these are written, why? So that you would believe. You would believe. Not intellectually that Jesus actually lived the way we would think of Abraham Lincoln being one of our presidents. We acknowledge that in history, but he's not going to save you. And we'll expound on this in just a moment. But the belief here in, in John is a personal... Yes, I believe the facts of what is presented about Jesus but I really trust him myself. I believe on him myself. He's my savior. And sometimes we struggle with that. He's not around. I mean, he's not here, some, someone might say. He's, he's not in the building. I don't get into talking to people that aren't present. But that's the, at the heart of the Christian gospel. He's a living savior. He is risen from the dead, and he is the Lord of all. He has ascended into heaven, and he's coming back again. And as you follow the message of the Bible out, the the gospel, this gospel message was given to the disciples who went into all the world and preached it, most of them to their death. Would you give your life to a message that would lead to your death if you didn't believe it? Probably not. Oh, there's some, you know, unbalanced people who might give themselves to that, but to knowingly, preach that he was alive when he was, in fact, dead in the tomb. No, they saw him. Thomas saw the wounds in his side and in his hands and said, my Lord and my God, in the gathering of this church, every week we come together to say that very thing, my Lord and my God. He's my Savior, he's my Lord, and he's alive forevermore. John said, I've written these things so that you might believe that Jesus is the Son of God and that by believing you might have life in his name. This gospel is the gospel of belief. I counted in my concordance this week, 55 times believe is used in the gospel of John. It's just over and over and over again. John is writing for this purpose, that you, right now, sitting in this pew, hearing this word, would believe. You would turn from your unbelief, from your own works, and you would turn to Jesus Christ as your all-sufficient Savior. The writer of Hebrews says, now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not believed, and that without faith, it is impossible to please God. And so this saving faith leads to a life of faith that we trust him and walk with him every day. Now I mentioned John was the gospel of belief, and I want to hold up to you several verses in chapter 1, John 1. In John 1, verse 7 am I the only one turning oh, good I didn't think so I want you to see this follow John 1 verse seven John begins with the witness of John the Baptist who came it says he came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might that all would believe what the light John came John the Baptist and preached in the writer of the Gospel of John and John the Baptist are two different Johns. So John the Baptist was this um, pre-ministry prophet raised up by God to come and to prepare the way for the Lord. I love to read about the ministry of John the Baptist and you see God's hand on him because people are going out to the wilderness to hear him preach. Typically if you're wanting to have a large hearing, where do you go? You go to where all the people are. John preached in the wilderness and people went out there to hear him preach and he would pave the way for the Lord. He was not the light, verse eight says. He came to bear witness about the light. It says in verse 11, Jesus came to his own and his own people did not receive him. For the most part, the Jews categorically denied him and crucified him. But to all who receive him, would you plug yourself into this verse? Have I received Jesus Christ by faith? Have I believed on him to receive eternal life? As many as received him. Who believed in his name. He gave the right to become what? Children of God. Receiving him. Now, now, I think it's important to note when the Bible speaks about believe and faith and receiving, we can receive things that we don't like, right? Treatments, procedures. No, it's endless. We, we could receive things we don't like. When we talk about receiving Jesus Christ, what kind of receiving do you think that is? It's treasuring, It's valuing above all else. And I would just speak to the church this morning. How deep is your love for Christ? In the sense, do you cherish him in that way? Do you see him as the pearl of great price? Or is he more of like a card that you would stick into a machine to get into heaven and you don't have any real regard for the card? Yeah, I've received him, I got the card. This is treasuring. All right, turn with me a couple of pages to the right to chapter 3, verse 18. We're underscoring believing. Believing. He came to his own, his own received him not, to, but to as many as received him who believed in his name, he gave right to become children of God. In chapter 3, verse 18, two below, John 3, 16. Whoever believes in him is not condemned. But whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. That is, that's just so drastic, isn't it? (laughs) If I don't believe, I'm what? I'm under condemnation. If I do believe, that's the rescuing power of God on my life through the love of God in Christ. In John chapter nine, I've alluded to the man born blind. And eventually he was, Jesus healed him. The Jewish leaders came after him. And it says in John 9, 35, he was thrown out of the synagogue. And Jesus heard that they had cast him out. And having found him, he said, Do you believe in the Son of Man? And the formerly blind man answered, and who is he, sir, that I may believe in him? And Jesus said to him, You have seen him, and it is he who is speaking to you. He said, Lord, I believe. And he worshiped him. True saving faith, believing in him leads to worship and an acknowledgement of who he is. Look with me at John 14 in this gospel of belief. Jesus said in this upper room discourse of John's gospel, let not your hearts be troubled. He had just told them that he's going away from, from them and, um, and so they're troubled. And he, so he, he says in chapter 14, verse one, let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. Believe. It's a command. Believe in God, believe also in me. And then he gives this eternal picture. In my father's house, there are what? There are... Many rooms, King James mansions, rooms kind of takes out. The, the point is fellowship, not your own palatial estate. <laughs> but the point here is you, you'll be with me, and it will not prove to be sad. You won't be disappointed. You're not going to get to heaven and say, wow, this is a real fixer-upper. That's not the point. Another idea here is apartment. (laughs) That really takes the the weight out of mansions. Uh, In in my father's house are many rooms. The point is we will be together. If it were not so, I would have told you I go to prepare a place for you that where I am there you may be also. So my favorite line on this, all of the promises of God, is this isn't a lucky rabbit's foot. This isn't some token for you to hang on the rear view mirror of your car these are promises from the living god and jesus christ himself believe in god believe also in me because he sent me and all that i'm doing i please him and you live for me so looking at this faith if we are to have the life of god in us we must by faith join ourselves to christ which is not a human work, but a work of God. God draws us in regeneration. What, do, how do, what does that drawing look like? It, it, it looks like this, um, it, it, to where I'm once totally disinterested and totally living for myself and totally enamor, enamored by my view of the world and also, uh, all of a sudden I'm confronted and, and uh, there's a sense of emptiness and, and undoneness about me that I can't explain. And I know and I see for the first time, I'm not right with God. This happens in many different ways and in many different circumstances, but that is at the heart of it. And God's spirit begins to change our dispositions and our resistance to the things that are true. And a message on Jesus Christ once was on the bottom of my list of priorities, but now I can't get enough of him. And I begin to see him for who he is as the eternal son of God and that in his words are life and in his death and resurrection is my salvation. And the power of God comes upon me and I repent of my sins and I believe in him and my life begins to change and my vocabulary and the words that come out of my mouth begin to change and my goals are uh, uh, a new priority in my goals (laughs) that come into my life. And I began to live for Him. And I can't imagine living a day without Him. Because He has redeemed me, and I am His, and He is mine. And He's how I view the world. And so, I pray that God's power would come on that message. And that you would believe today. The Gospel of John is a gospel of belief. Let me move on quickly to two other points I want to bring to your twi- attention and they come in the form of a question for number two does anyway what kind of believing is john 316 talking about i've been in the ministry long enough to that that i know i can't make anyone interested i'm a lousy entertainer so i don't even try that's not even my call um i'm not responsible for the response only to be faithful to the message and so it's a beautiful thing to see spiritual hunger. What kind of believing is John 3.16 talking about? It's, it's seen in, again, a, a treasuring. Uh, it's a beautiful thing to see spiritual hunger. It's another thing to see apathy. I, al- I will always remember the words of the Baptist preacher R.G. Lee, who did a preaching tour in Australia many, many years ago, And he said, I I would preach to these congregations, glassy-eyed congregations, so utterly bored with the content of the message. It was as if I were preaching to a dead dog on the side of a highway. That's quite a scathing assessment of the congregations, but to see no hunger, only apathy, only I can't wait till he's done so I can go to lunch. And to compare contrast that with a tremendous experience in my own life and that is the times I've been in China my first trip in 2000 I found myself in a room in multiple cities on a 12-day trip with 5, 10, 15 Chinese on the floor studying the Bible for hours hours as they continue to ask me questions about the Bible I thought, I can keep coming back here. I gave my uh, annual report to Advance International this week, and I was recalling the trip I made with Russ Copeland to China, and we were connected with some young people for a lunch appointment, and we shared the gospel with them, and they believed. They believed in the course of that few hours that we were with them. Um, And even though there was brokenness in the translation, there was spiritual hunger. And Russ, I don't know if I mentioned this to you or not, I went back five years later to that same city, and um, one of the sisters who had believed, who had since gotten married, were in our advanced class. Hunger. Longing to hear. I I remember on one occasion I preached in Shanghai to a house church in the summer. It was sweltering sweltering heat. It was a 10 by 20 room filled to capacity. Oh, the bodies (laughs) were in that room. And I was with my partner, Timothy Ping, who interpreted my message. I preached on the second coming of Jesus Christ and the energy and the love for the Lord as we spent well over an hour in those conditions. And they were longing for more and I came out of there absolutely drenched. And it was the most wonderful worship experience I can ever remember, preaching experience I can ever remember. To think about the return of Christ. It was moving beyond words as they expressed their faith under the constant threat of persecution. Spiritual hunger, believing on him, treasuring him. So when I say God, God so loved the world, for God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him, that's what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about checking the box of an intellectual ascent. I'm talking about I'm treasuring him. I believe who he is and I'm trusting him as my Lord and Savior. And these, in fact, are synonyms to salvation. Faith, belief, trust, each of these used in the New Testament to talk about the same thing. This offer: everyone who believes shall be translated out of death into life. I pray that you would seek Him now, and that by believing, um, believing that is brought by the work of the Holy Spirit. It's interesting. John three sixteen is in the same chapter where Jesus is talking to Nicodemus and saying to him, "You must be born again." That what we're talking about is a work of the Spirit of God in your life that draws you and changes you and you see Christ for who he is and you believe in him. And that by believing, um, this believing is accompanied by repentance. I'm not walking in the same way that I once walked. I'm walking in the footsteps of of my Savior. I'm seeking to align my life in obedience to what he's commanded. That was the mandate given to the disciples, that you would teach them everything I've commanded you and I'm with you always. And that by believing, it bears the fruit of obedience. The fruit of obedience. Jesus said, abide in me in John 15, and I in you, and you will bear much fruit. And the fruit of obedience where we... Begin to align every area of our life and bring it under the umbrella of His Lordship becomes the mark of how we live. Not perfectly. All of us have to continue to talk to God about how we fall short. But the trajectory of our life is set. We're living for Him. And then finally, believing that treasures Christ above all. Many walked away from Jesus in John 6. And he turned to the disciples and he said, Shall you also go away? And Peter, answering for the twelve, said, Where shall we go, Lord? You have the words of eternal life. Where else can we go? You're the one who saves. William Poole once wrote, Just when I need him, Jesus near. Just when I falter, just when I fear. Ready to help me, ready to cheer. Just when I need him most. What a wonderful savior he is. I pray you know him. And so why don't we close with three questions that every one of us have to come to terms with. Where are you spiritually? Where are you in what you really believe? If we were to go to the core of your person, where are you spiritually? And how do you even evaluate that question? How do you even know how to? I'm reminded of Adam in the garden when God walked in the cool of the day and came to Adam after the fall, and he says, Where are you? Where are you? In light of John three sixteen, in light of all that's going on in your life, where are you spiritually? Are you lost? Or are you saved? In a saving relationship with Christ. Which leads to the second question. If you're lost, do you want to be saved? Remember the Philippian jailer who said to Paul and Silas, what must I do to be saved? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved. That is the message of the Bible. That is the message of the ages. That is good news to a, a lost and dying and hopeless world. Believe on him And he will surely save you. So the portal is faith. Would you enter there? If you haven't already. Perhaps you've grown weary in well-doing. Would you renew your love for Christ this Advent season? Would you give your heart to him afresh and anew and say, Lord, I want to live for you. Cleanse me of my shortcomings and help me to be your hands and feet. And celebrate Christmas with all of our hearts. Would you bow with me in prayer? In these closing moments, as we think about Jesus Christ, he was born not to a king, but a carpenter, but to be a carpenter. He was born not in robes, but in rags. He was born not into gold, but hay. He was born not into popularity, but obscurity. He was born not in splendor, but in a trough. He was born not to live, but to die. Oh, come, let us adore him. Let us worship him. In light of this call to believe, to repent of your sins and to believe on him, is that what you need most right now? Are you without Christ? Oh, friend, I would point you to him. I would urge you to call out to him. He will save you. He will save you even now and for all of us to recommit our love for him this Christmas season. Lord, it's all about you. And I pray in the closing moments of this worship service that you would work in us all, that we would honor you, that we would praise you, that we would give you our all in all as we seek to live for you in this world. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand together as we sing.